Photo Mission Exposure, a podcast for photographers. Welcome to this week's edition of Photo Mission Exposure. Um, in the studio today, I have uh, Jeff Roberts with me, and Jeff is a, a retired photographer, but um, has worked in both portrait and wedding photography. Um, has vast knowledge of the industry, so um, welcome to the show, Jeff. Thanks very much, um, Steve. Um, hello, everybody, and um, I'm pleased to have the opportunity to speak to you. Um, I've been involved in photography for most of my working life. Um, I've had two photographic businesses. The first one was Galaxy Photographics, and the name why I chose that name will become evident in a minute. But the last one that I had was a business called Studio 7 Photography, and that was called Studio 7 because I lived at 7 St. Ives Street, Petrie. So it was a convenient name. That way I couldn't get lost in the middle of the night and not know where to go. Um, Studio 7 Photography was a portrait and wedding photography business mainly, and I had an office at Petrie, I had another office at um, Anogra and another office at Carina. So I was situated right around Brisbane and able to capture as much business as was possible. Now I got into photography in a rather serendipitous way. I attended my brother-in-law's wedding in 1979 and the photographer there um, asked, uh, asked me if I was interested in photography. Well, I got interested in photography when I was at Teachers College because I was a primary school teacher and I majored in astronomy and astrophysics. In fact, we had one of the first Celestron telescopes in the country and we used um, cameras to take photographs of the moon. Unfortunately, they weren't very good and I realised at that stage that I needed to find out more about photography. So when I went my, my brother-in-law's wedding photographer, I thought I'd ask him a few questions. He asked me those two magic questions. Do you drink? And do you smoke? And since my answer was no, he said, you're hired. And I said, why is that? And he said, because every time I get someone to work for me, they usually upset all the um, guests at the wedding because they get drunk. So I worked for him for six years. His name was Graham Farrell, and he owned a business called Austral Photographics at Sandgate. Graham was an absolute genius. Those of you who remember um, processing with film will remember a thing called a VCNA, a Video Color Negative Analyzer. They were worth $300,000. He built one with a Commodore computer and a security camera. He was an absolute genius. I worked for him for six years and then um, I saw an ad in the paper looking for a wedding photographer. So I took some samples up to a, to a bloke, in the, bloke in the city. His name was Ross Vlahos and his friend and partner was Glenn Knobloch. They ran Sterling Studios, which at that time, in 1986, was probably Brisbane's premier photographic business. Graham Farrell taught me the absolute technical aspects of photography. In fact, I went out with him for 12 months, going to weddings nearly every weekend, and he taught me the technical aspects of photography. When I met up with Glenn and Ross at Sterling Studios, they taught me the business of photography. And, and that's really that's a really important point you make there, Jeff, because I think a lot of people today who actually do photography call themselves they have a photography business, but but do they have a photography business? Well, that is a very good point, you see, because the most important thing about photography is you need to ask yourself this question. Are you a photographer who does business or are you a businessman who does photography? The answer to either of those questions will determine whether or not you're to be successful. So how does that work? If you are a photographer who does business, then you will take a photograph on your computer and sit there for three hours and make sure the photograph's perfect. If you are a businessman who does photography, then you'll take the photograph, look at it, tweak it a little bit and move on to the next one. Now some people would find that um, a rather dreadful attitude. But if you are going to make money out of photography and make a living out of it, you need to be a business person. And that's exactly right, because photography and today, the challenges today are actually much harder because, because of the advent of digital. Um, anyone can use a digital camera. 
back in your day, I mean, you would have been shooting with a range of different formats and film, and, and those cameras took skill to actually operate as well. That is correct. My very first wedding that I did was done on a Rolleiflex twin, twin lens um, camera, and then I moved on to an uh, Mamiya RB67, and then when I moved into with Sterling Studios, we started using Hasselblads, and I eventually bought a Hasselblad 553 ELX. I thought it was the most wonderful camera I'd ever seen in my whole life, and the images out of a Hasselblad were just unbelievable. I've never seen an image out of any other camera that matches that of a Hasselblad. In fact, many years later, I had a, I had a client who looked at the photographs and he said, that photograph was taken with a Hasselblad Zeiss lens, wasn't it? And I said, how did you know that? And he said, I fix laser rangefinders on le leopard tanks and they've all got Zeiss lenses. He said, you can tell a Zeiss lens. It was absolutely remarkable. Well, that's, gen that's German engineering for you, Zeiss. That's correct, and, that's correct. And now, so I think it's harder these days for people to get into photography than it was when I was younger. Of course, there was always the problem when I was in business, right, of part-time photographers, righto? Now, we just used to ignore them, but they were nevertheless a, nevertheless a problem. I started off my photographic career part-time with Graham Farrell because I was still teaching primary school at Sangat Primary School. And um, I worked for him for six years on Saturdays. I just loved photography. I just, just loved going to weddings. They were... They were happy occasions. Um, why wouldn't you want to go there? The world's full of misery and weddings were always happy. And and I, was, I was going to ask you that question. What was it that, what was the hook for you for that style of photography? It was because of the, the event and, and the happiness around that event. And Yeah, it was a happiness around, it was a happiness around the event. And, um, you know, everyone was there on their day to be their best, you know, and they invited me to be part of their wedding. Over the third, nearly 30 years that I did wedding photography, I'd say I probably turned up close to 2,000 times. Because the other thing about that era that you were shooting in that time, that, that you, you would do albums for people. So people would be... and then So you've got that bonus of when, when the bride sees those albums for the first time and sees those images and her reaction. Uh, yes, but you see, there was a trick. When I first started doing wedding photography, um, people bought albums of photographs. And the photographs were just the photographs that the people took. We'd take seven rolls of 120, shoot six rolls, and one for one for um, just in case. So we'd have 72 photographs, and an album be made of that. In 1991, Sterling Studios started doing what they call sequence photography. This is where the money was really to be made in photography, really to be made, because you shot the photographs in a certain way so that if you wanted to make an album, you had to put the photographs in the certain way that you shot them. And people who were good at sequencing were able to sell huge albums. It was not uncommon for people to sell six and $7,000 albums. Though mine usually ranged from about three and a half to about five and a half. One of the big problems with photography is you need to ask yourself before you go into business, what kind of person am I? that makes photography the thing for me. And one of those things is that you must like people. You cannot go into photography and not like people because photography is a people business. You have to have a gregarious, outgoing personality. And that's right because, I mean, they are your subjects as well, so. They are your subjects, that's correct. You say, you must get on with people. You must be ethical and you must be honest, yeah. right? Because people can see through you. Well, I think to have to have any legs in business, you have to be ethical, and you have to be honest. Absolutely. You know, you don't have to be the cheapest, um, but you do have to have a couple of qualities that people will respect, and and you know, um, and say this guy's not a shunt. Go and use Jeff. He's a great, yeah. great guy. Yeah. So after working for Sterling Studios and Austral Photographics, um, one day a serendipitous moment occurred. Someone told me that there was a telemarketing company in Brisbane who was telemarketing for portraits and that if I put my hand up as a photographer, they would give me some work. They gave me 600 portraits to do. So I thought it was about time that I went into something serious. So I came across a bloke who was interested in, um, in going into business 
right? So he was a former cruise ship photographer. So we opened up a studio in an industrial building in um, Launton. And um, we worked there for a couple of years and made, we made a bit of money, but it all seemed to disappear from me. Now, the one thing about businesses, especially photographic businesses, is you need to learn from your mistakes and learn from your failures. So Galaxy Photographics was eventually sold to him and I got away from it because I didn't think it was gonna go anywhere while he was involved, especially since he was living with the um, secretary. Yep. And he's gone back to England now, so I can say that. <laughs> <laughs> I think, look, in business, you do have to, if, especially when it's a partnership, you obviously really have to have a really good working relationship yeah. to make it work. Yeah, it worked well for, for Ross and Glenn for many years. Um, I, w- I would not go into partnership in photography now, in, in, or in any other business, for that matter of fact. It's just not worth it. Now, the other thing about photography is not only have you got to work out are you good at it, right? What are you going to do, right? You need to ask yourself, who is my customer? Now, people just say, oh, well, it's everyone. Everyone loves to have a photograph taken. Well, that's not true. You won't believe it, but 50% of the people hate having their photographs taken. So your client is any female between the age of three minutes and 103 years of age. Yep. Women love photographs. If you took 300 photographs of a bride at a wedding, the bride would like to buy 300. The groom will grit his teeth and buy one so that he can show his mates what happened to him. (laughs) But But that's a fair point because it's knowing your market. So it's really understanding your market, understanding who your customer is and how to approach it. That's very important. That's correct. Now, with... um, with Galaxy Photographics, we concentrated on doing studio portraiture. We had a great big industrial building. We had all the lights and everything. But I had to um, leave the teaching profession when I was 39 because I got diabetes and sleep apnea, which is a deadly combination, and I couldn't work because I kept falling asleep in school. I thought about going into business, but I didn't have confidence in myself. So I tried to get other jobs, but no one would take anyone who had sleeping ap- sleep apnea. So I determined that I would um, do my own business. So I started Studio 7 Photography. And um, I had a big studio complex built on the side of my home at Petrie. And I went into business. I'd had all the skills that I'd learned from Graham Farrell as a photographer. I had all the business skills and all the equipment that um, I'd, I'd gleaned from Sterling Studios. I was friendly with Glenn and Ross. They were very helpful. Now... Here was a very important point. If you are going to tout yourself for business as a photographer and you think that you are ethical, then why are you going to charge less than a full-time photographer? Hmm. This was a question I asked myself when I went into business in Galaxy Photographics and I thought it was not fair. I thought, why should full-time professional photographers compete with me who I could do the same job as them Yep. And me charge half the price. I thought if I was good enough to be to tout myself as a professional photographer, then I had to charge the same price as professional photographers. Mm. And I did that. And that and look, that's that's the way you have to approach it because your time every part of your time and these days I mean the the workflow has changed a bit from the days when shooting with film to digital. And I think a lot of the modern photographers don't they don't value their time or their skills. That's correct. And this is where they struggle to, to survive in that, in that business environment. That's correct. Now, the other thing about it is that I decided when I went into Studio 7 Photography that I was going to use telemarketing because I saw how, you, how good it was with Galaxy Photographics. And, and was that cutting edge back then? Was that something that people just really... Nobody had? wanted to do telemarketing. It wasn't cutting edge edge marketing. It was down at what, about what I mean people, for for photography in in particular. I no, mean. it was what was called scumbag marketing. Yep. I know people regard regard you as somewhat um, lower class if you got your business through the telephone. Yeah. Now, one of the unfortunate and for, things about the photographic business that I found over a period of time, um, people seem to have funny attitudes about people. They tend to look down on people. I didn't see any point in that at all. 
Righto? So in the end, I decided to myself, well, what was I going to be with Studio 7? Was I going to be a wedding and portrait business? Or was I going to be a portrait and wedding business? Where was the most money? Where was the money buried? I believe the money was buried in the portrait business. So I used to spend most of my time on it. So in the end, I invented what I call the McDonald's of photography. Now, if you've gone into McDonald's, you'll notice whichever store you go into, the hamburger is always the same. They sell the same menu. So therefore, I believed, what was it that people wanted in a family portrait? What was it that they wanted? Well, the other thing to think about, and, and when you analyse you know, being a wedding photographer or a portrait photographer, for a lot of people, they, they might get married once or twice in their life. So you've got two bites of the cherry. That's right. But as a portrait photographer, as, as, uh, as a couple age and the kids get older, there's opportunity after opportunity. That's right. Graduations, special birthdays. There's all these opportunities to take more portraits. So therefore, so that was what, that's what you would think. But that's not necessarily the case in Australia. In America, it is. So therefore, I decided I was going to do the, what ended up to be the McDonald's of photography. So I started a telemarketing organisation from home. I employed three people. The first guy I employed was a schizophrenic. Because I, and he just wanted an opportunity to work. Yep. So I said, okay, so long as you take your tablets, I'll give you the job. So he worked out for three months and then he moved on. And I was able to give him a reference and I felt really good about that. Yep. Righto. So what was it that people wanted? Did they want award-winning photography? Well, nobody knew, nobody as far as I was concerned had ever asked me had I won an award for photography. Or, or did they ask about your credentials? Well, as my credentials or anything. In fact, so I regarded myself as what I called a journeyman photographer, a tradesman photographer. Yep. So therefore... I wasn't interested in being the world's best photographer. I was interested, because I was a businessman, in making a living out of photography. But but at the same time, providing a good quality product. Good quality product. So therefore, how did I do it? What I did, there's three things involved in a portrait. Yep. First of all, you've got to get the business. The second thing is, you've got to do the job. Yep. And the third thing is, you've got to sell it. Yep. They are the three important things. So telemarketing gave me an opportunity to contact hundreds of people. Now, the next thing is you must know the numbers. The numbers are very important in any business. You must know the numbers. So what are the numbers? 20 phone calls will get you one portrait. A 12 cents a, 12 cents a phone call in those days, that was, that was um, $2.40. Yep. I paid the ladies $12 an hour. It would take an hour to do 20 photograph, twenty phone calls. Yep. So therefore, I pay, it cost me $14.40 for every lead that for I got. Every lead, yep. For every lead that I got. So therefore, I thought that was fairly fine. Right, eh? So, I would, so then I worked out, what was I going to photograph? Do I need to do all these original photographs? I was a journeyman photographer. What did people want? They wanted a photograph of them with their family, looking pleasant, so they didn't look as if they had something wrong with them with their arms, all sorts of things. Now, when I first started taking photographs with my portraits, I didn't sell them very well. I couldn't work out why they wouldn't sell. Yep. So then I sat down one day and I thought very carefully about it. And I came up with the solution. And the solution had to do with psychology. It had to do with perception, the way in which people perceived images, the way in which they perceived um, the world. Now, when I was was at university, I studied developmental psychology. And one of the things that I learned was babies take six weeks before they smile at their mother. Why was that? The reason was because babies program their brains with angles and lines in their environment so that they have stereoscopic vision and therefore they can they can look at something and get depth of field right oh sometimes when kids can't learn to read or have problems at school psychologists do all sorts of tests on them 
One of these tests is, is illusions. Yep. You've probably seen the one where you see the two faces looking at each other and maybe it looks like a vase in the middle. But there is one that is particularly important with photography and that is the Muller-Lear illusion. And the Muller-Lear illusion is a device used to see how people determine angles and lines. So I looked at the photographs and I realized that the photographs weren't any good because when people looked at that photograph, it didn't line up. Yep. Their angles were incorrect. So they weren't connecting with the photograph. They weren't connecting. So the idea was to take the photograph so that you are sucked right into the middle of it. Yep. So therefore, and people have talked about this, the older photographers talk about this, getting all the heads in line and with the triangles and that type of thing. But it is absolutely crucial because people, even though the photographs were formally posed, looked at them and they looked pleasant. You won't sell a photograph to someone if the photograph doesn't look pleasant. Yep. So you had to have a great background. So that's, that's, a, that's another whole skill you have to have as a photographer. Correct. And the other thing about it is that you had to know how to handle the heads, the hands and the feet and pose them so that they looked attractive. Because otherwise, people had hands dra draping around uh, people's necks. Yep. If you remember um, when Prince Charles got married to Lady Diana, there was a famous engagement portrait, and he had his arms. Uh, 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 she had his arms around his neck, and the hands joined up in the middle. I remember seeing that photograph, and then I thought that's important because lots of people photograph took photographs with their hands and they're all over the place yep. and the feet were all over the place. So I developed this system where the hands, head and feet were precisely lined up with angles so that they formed triangles and they, they formed intersecting lines. Soon as I started to master that, the whole thing took off. It, it was a game changer. For it was a game changer. Yep. And so I started to really sell photographs, right? I think with everything, there's, a, there's science always behind everything you do. And Absolutely, the science behind everything. Yeah, and I think with photography is what what's the purpose of someone buying a photograph? Is, is They want to make them feel good about themselves. They want to look good. So when they look into that photograph, they want to see and get something back from they it. Want, that's exactly right. They want to see a lovely, pleasant photograph of their family. Now, I used to say to people when I used to sell them, and it depends on the things you used to sell, right? I used to have a technique for finding out whether people were going to buy photographs, right? And this is how it worked. One of the things I found when I went to seminars in photography was nobody ever told you how they managed to sell the photographs or how they got the business. So I'll let you into the little secret. When I had my studio door at Petrie, directly behind the studio door was a 30 by 30 photograph that was really fantastic. It was a wedding photograph. And it was a couple standing on the beach and they were, they'd had a stick in their hand, they drew a heart and in the middle was I love you. Everyone loved that photograph. Yep. Absolutely loved it. So when they opened the door, the first thing that the buying part of the couple looked at, that was the female, yep. was this photograph. And they always made a remark about it. Now. That was your icebreaker. That was an icebreaker. Now, the thing about it is sharp photographers or sharp salesmen are paying very close attention to what is done and said. So they would say, oh, that's a lovely photograph. So you knew that the woman was in a positive, receptive mood for purchasing. So you would ask, and did you have professional photographs taken at your wedding? And if the answer was yes, then you knew that this was a person who was receptive to the concept purchasing photography was valuable. Yes. The other alternative was, no, we didn't get wedding photographs taken because he was such a misery. So therefore you knew that she was a buyer. Yep. And regardless of what her husband said, she was going to have a family portrait yep. for her wall. So you just had to just play the game. And, then, and you, you do that. So what were, what were, what were, the, what were the numbers? Well, the numbers were, out of, um, out of, say, 20 people a week, I would probably sell six or eight um, packages with um, war portraits. Yep. I'd sell another six or eight um, packages just where they had a bunch of photographs. I'd sell two or three 
that would just have one photograph, and I charge $89 for one um, 7x7 Hasselblad photograph, yeah. and the other couple would just take a free photograph, which brings me to the most important point. What is the only promotion that sells photographs? The only one that's ever worked, yep. and that is a free sitting and a free 7x5. Yep. And if you can't do that, then you're not good enough to be a photographer yep. because you got to bet on your own ability. That, that you've put yourself out there to the point where you know that you've got the ability to actually come up with the goods and they'll see the goods and they'll That's want to it. purchase it. That is exactly right, right? And I went to endless endless seminars over the years where people poo-pooed that idea. Yep. Think, oh, we wouldn't possibly do that. Right, eh? So I, I never used to... I used to um, laugh at quite a lot of these blokes who came from overseas. They never told you anything. Right? I used to go along there just because so I could wear a black shirt and a black pair of pants and be like everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> but, when you th- but when you think about that model that you're talking about, that business model, it's a tried and tested business model where people will give virtually a sample of product and you give something away because you know it's actually so good. That's right. That you're going to put, they're going to yeah. purchase it. But you got to be really good. And uh, after I mastered, after I mastered the um, imperfections in my p- posing with the um, adaption of the Mullerlier illusion, righto. And I mastered the um, art of um, telemarketing, righto. I, I started to employ photographers, but I found the big problem was that you could never get a photographer who was as devoted as you were. Yeah. Right. So um, in the end, what I did is I decided well. With the telemarketing, Petrie was geographically was geographically wiped out after a few years. So then I moved up, and then I moved over to um, Inogra, then I moved over to Karina, and I had telemarketing teams at every studio. And they'd telemarket Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Thursday was late night shopping, and Friday was the was, was El Biffo night. <laughs> <laughs> so we didn't so we didn't telemarket um, fr- Thursday and Friday night. Yep. It worked. A dr- it worked a treat. The yep. numbers all worked. The other thing was that I often wondered how much did I have to charge? How much do you have to charge to make a profit? Yep. So I went back to some books from the fifties and sixties. The magic number is five. Yep. You have to charge five times what your costs are to produce the product to be profitable. Yep. So the other next, the other thing is when I first went into business, and this is extremely important too. <clears throat> I stood there. In my brand new studio, and I looked around, I had all the studio lights and the couches and the samples, and it looked like a million dollars. And I thought, what's my one weakness? And I thought, money. If I can't afford to pay someone to know how much money I've spent or is owed to me, then I shouldn't be in business. Because it takes more time to keep your books than it does to shoot photographs. And after all, you've got to ask yourself this question. What is my purpose in the business? My purpose is to shoot photographs. When I'm not shooting photographs, I should be selling photographs, and that's all I have to do. Yep. So I was absolutely blessed over the years that I had the most marvellous group of women yep. over a period of time. Some of them were moving back into the workforce. They all learned to use Myob. Yep. In fact, my very first secretary, Sharon, she didn't know anything about it, so we both went to TAFE and learned how to use Myob. Me, I didn't want to learn it. Yep. I just wanted to know what, the, what, what questions to ask her. Yes, yep. She learned it and became so good at it that I nominated her and she became she won the Secretary of the Year. Yep. I know, so she was that good. So, so there's a good, good lesson to be learned about delegation, about understand where your strengths are yep. and, and, and use your strengths in the business. That's right. And then where other people you can bring in to actually fill the gaps. That's right. So the thing is, I discovered then that um, I was digging a hole. Right? By only doing weddings and portraits, I was digging a hole. So where did I place myself? Was I at the top of the list? Was I down the bottom of the, bottom of the heap? Or was I somewhere in the middle? So I thought to myself, I thought I was somewhere in the middle. Yep. I, didn't, I didn't want to be down the bottom, and I didn't want to be at the top, in the rarefied atmosphere where you're waiting for someone to come along and spend $10,000. Yep. So the question you've got to ask yourself this. This is a question I ask myself, a magic question, and yep. it's a question you should all ask. Is it easier... To find a woman who will spend a thousand dollars on one photograph, or is it easy to find twenty women who'll pay fifty dollars? Yep. And the answer is, it's easy to find fifty of women. Believe it or not. Yep. So therefore, we in, we introduced 
Satellite Studios, once again, it was a space theme. Yep. And we introduced model shots. Now, satellite Is this the forerunner to glamour type photography? Or? Well, no, it wasn't, actually. Um, satellite Studios was just a cheaper way of um, doing photography where I didn't have to charge a big price. And I did a lot of that with what was very popularly called fundraising photography in those days. Yep. Right, eh? But model shots was something completely different. Because in America, they have a billion-dollar industry called seniors photography. Now, it had never worked in Australia. Never, ever. So I sat down and I analysed why it didn't work. And I came up, with the re- came up with the reason that it was a cultural difference between Americans and Australians. So I watched the web pages about seniors photography. I just watched it and watched it and watched it. And I realised that Americans were more patriotic. Most of the photographs had pictures of their flag. Yes. They yeah. had pictures of their football, pictures of their cars with these teenagers. They also had a thing called a high school yearbook. And they had to have professional photographs to appear in that that book. Having been a high school teacher as well, I looked at what we did and I thought it was pathetic. That explained the difference. So one day I got that magic phone call. And it was a lady from the church. And I knew this lady. And she said to me, Jeff, she said, we need to have a fundraising activity. She said, we got all the girls here. Righto, we got all the girls here and we'd like to raise some money for the church. And I said, all right. So I said, why don't we do satellite studios? We'll do a whole lot of family photographs. So I used to set up six studios. I had enough lights. I'd have six backgrounds, enough lights, yeah. and I'd march the people through the studios. Right? It took two hours to set up, and by the time I'd finished, I was absolutely exhausted. Right? Yeah. But it was easy. And we just marched them through. They got a huge variety of photographs and always sold. Now, we would do 30 families. So how much did I sell them for? Well, was I going to sell? Was I going to make a five hundred dollars sale from everyone? No. So I said on two hundred dollars. Thirty times two hundred is six thousand dollars. Yep. I yep. did it one day a week. Yep. Bingo. So one day the this lady rang me back again, and she said, "Oh, we really like that." And I said, "Is that right?" She said, "But what do you think we could do for the girls?" And all of it, I'd been looking at seniors photography. In fact, Seniors Photography International offered me free membership for a year. And I was the only photographer west of Los Angeles who was a member of Seniors Photography International. And I worked out what the problem was, why we couldn't sell it here. And that is photographers just regarded as another kind of portrait photograph. And all of them wanted to do was try and sell everyone $1,000 worth of photographs. Yep. It just wasn't going to work. So I said to this lady, I said, I have the perfect thing for you. She said, what's that? And I said, well, we call it model shots. Oh, she said, model shots, what's that? And I said, well, what we do is every girl, teenage girl, would like to be a model. Isn't that right? Oh, she said, my daughter would love to be a model. Well, I said, they're not going to get the chance. But I said, I'm an expert at photography. And I have all these studio lights and things. I said, why don't we photograph the girls as models she said well that what would that mean i said i'll get a hair and makeup artist and i said um i'll come down they said don't do a lot they're all young i said we'll just brush their hair put a bit of lipstick on a bit of um powder yep i said you'll have to pay for that she said what will you pay what will we pay and i said you'll pay 15 dollars." oh she said that was all right and i said i'll give you one of the photographs a framed 10 by 8 photograph of your daughter well she thought that was fantastic so what an absolute boomer it turned out to be. The first day, we had 30 girls. Now, I knew a couple of girls who were hair and makeup artists, and I rang them up, and I said, how much would you charge? Oh, we'd charge at least $60. I said, oh, well, that's not going to happen. They said, well, how much do you want to charge? I said, $15. They said, we couldn't do that. And I said, what if I told you that you, you would get $15 in your hand for every single one of them, and there'd be 30 on the day? She said, I'm in. Yep. <laughs> so the very first day we lined up, every, every, every 15 minutes they'd walk in. I had eight backgrounds. Yep. Right? The one of the, the, I had a white background with tulle and a beanbag covered with a white sheet. It was absolutely fantastic because every mother wanted to be photographed with their daughter. So we charged mothers $15 for hair and makeup too. The ladies absolutely loved it. Yep. Right, we took the photographs. Took the photographs, then we package printed them. 
went back the next day and I saw I, next week and I think I sold about four and a half thousand dollars worth of photographs. I was absolutely gobstopped. Yep. So I really got onto it after this. So we started marketing, and you know, any time it wasn't unusual for us to turn over six thousand dollars on a Sunday. And there was probably about five hundred dollars in costs. Yep. So every Sunday I turn over five. Every Sunday that I did it, we turn over five thousand five hundred dollars worth of profit. Do you know the sad thing today about what's happened with photography and digital photography? That a lot of people take a lot. There's a lot of photographs taken that'll never be printed. That's exactly right. They'll never be taken, and that's a big problem with digital photography. So model shots was an absolute boomer. Yep. But and I in the end I had so much work that I had to hire another photographer. And then I met up with a guy by the name of Grant, and it turned out that he was an international fashion photographer who'd got sick of living in Germany. He'd photographed Claudia Schiffer, and he'd got sick of living in Germany because his wife had got sick of the cold, so he came back here and he couldn't get a job. So we used to go out and do model shots on weekends. He loved it. And so we had a great time. All the kids loved it. The parents loved it. It was fantastic. But it had one problem that was insurmountable because both of us... We're a pair of old farts. Yep. We were dealing with teenage girls. Yes. Yep. It was not a good look. Yep. yep. I saw that it was not a good look. Yep. There was nothing dodgy about it. No. We were interested in making five and a half thousand bucks on sat- on Sunday. Yep. yep. But in the end, it defeated us because it was popular. In fact, I think some schools, I think I did three, three years in a row. They loved it that much. Yep. But the problem was I realized that it was a woman's business. And when I look back on photography in general, I would have to say that photography really is a business for women. Yep. Because you're dealing with women and it's for women. In the 50s, 60s, 70s and 80s, men got the opportunity to do the photographs because it was more it was a more patriarchal society. Yep. But as time changed, women moved to the fore. And they've moved to the fore in the business now. But the future of photography, of domestic photography, I think is clouded. Yep. People who um, know what a cooper is realise that we don't make wooden barrels, barrels anymore to put beer in. Yep. Righto? And domestic photography is going down that way. There will always be room for high-end art photography. There will always be room for high-end commercial photography. But with a camera, with a digital um, camera in a mobile phone that have 12 or 16 megapixels, you're not hiding to nothing. Yeah, yeah. So domestic photography has now become more or less a part-time business. It is almost impossible, in my opinion, to make a living out of professional photography. And a lot, um, look, a lot of the um, people who do it as a profession still have to supplement their their income in some way or form or 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 contain their lifestyle to suit what they're actually earning that's right so and that's a challenge uh, and i think look moving moving forward with um all advances with digital i think you know yeah at home we have lots of photo albums and lots yep. of photos yep. moving forward um, you know, in 30 years from now, the, you know, the generation, they're, they're not going to have access to all those prints and albums. Well, this is a real problem. Now, as a person who's, been, who's studied history um, and is interested vitally in history, it has come to the attention of historians and people in government, etc., that with the vast number of digital images, most of them are stuck on a database on, on an obscure computer somewhere. Yep. Whereas in times past, photographs were collected into um, great libraries in, 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 in national in archives. And yes. So <clears throat> that will be a problem for the future, <clears throat> keeping track of all that. Yeah. yeah. Right? So I would think that um, going forward, <clears throat> it's a difficult thing for, 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 um, for um, photographers. Yep. Um, I don't think there will be as many... Um, full-time professional photographers. I believe that when I started photography in 1979, I started learning photography just after the turn of the golden era. And when I went into business, I was on the cusp of the golden era. When um, digital cameras came in, they were marvelous. 
when I when I was doing uh, as I said right in the beginning I said you should be taking photographs and selling photographs we used to send film off to the lab and the monkey in the lab used to do all the colors yep once digital came in I became the monkey yep right so I didn't like it because I had to spend so much time sitting on my computer even though I didn't spend three hours on one photograph yep so that's a really, been a really good insight into the stuff you've done professionally photography but is there a side of you that has personal photography there's stuff that you personally like taking photos ah, of? yes well i said right at the beginning that i was an astronomer ah, yes. I know, and i now have a celestron five and i've been doing moon and jupiter photographs i've now got myself an astrographic camera now believe it or not digital as digital has yep. opened up the world for um astro astronomers yep if you remember correctly in your grade nine textbook in the science, you'll see a picture of the M31 um, galaxy, and underneath it was taken with a 200 millimeter, a 200 inch hail telescope at Mount Palomar. Well, I have seen the same thing taken with a five inch telescope. Yes. Almost exactly mm -hmm. identical. So that is the power of digital, and the um, telescopes and things these days are fantastic. I also take photographs of landscapes and flowers right Ma macro or just oh macros but one of the things that i that i find disappointing um is especially in um landscape photography and i got myself into quite a quite a um kerfuffle over this with with a facebook page there were blokes putting up pictures of um landscapes now there'll be probably people will pillory me for this when i say this are putting up landscapes and then they'd say that I did this this and I had 17 images and I did this and then I photoshopped it and then I turned it upside down in Lightroom and did all sorts of stuff yep and I looked at it and I thought that's not a landscape that's a digitally digitally enhanced artistic image of a landscape okay. if a landscape is a landscape you there should be an opportunity for you to actually see it yep so straight out of camera type <clears throat> yep that's right as and, and look that's one of the, the challenges and look social media is interesting and we look at things like Instagram and Facebook and those types of things and the classic sunsets and you see a sunset and these sunsets will get a gazillion lights. They've turned the saturation off the Richter scale. Absolutely. You'll never see in real life a sunset with like those that. colours. And you can even buy sunsets. Yeah. I found out you can buy sunsets and sunrises to put in your photographs and there's, there's even things on YouTube that will tell you how to insert a sunset into your photograph. Yeah. There's so many preset stuff you can buy and as a as a as kind but i think it changes it from and you hit the head it's no longer a photograph i mean what i consider a photograph is something that's been taken on the camera that if if that if you were standing in that position that's the scene that you that's would see, you see. if you can't me, see it if you can't see it it's not a landscape but if you see an, an image that's been created where there's been trees added and then rocks added and reflections and those type of things that that is that's digital art that's digital art but it's not a photograph. No, it's not a photograph. I don't agree. But of course, we'll probably have a thousand and one people that argue the point over that, but then that's the reason they invented coffee. Exactly. Do you want to just summarise on some of the stuff that we've talked about and, and probably give a few more of your, I suppose, um, you know, yeah, tips that you've, you know, over the years of all your experience of, of doing photography, you've, there's a lot of knowledge in there. I'm sure you'd like to be able to share some of that yeah. knowledge. Okay, well, one of the most important things is that if you are a photographer, one thing you must remember is to do your own thing. Pay attention to detail. Righto? And decide where you want to be in the market. Now, where in photography is the money buried? Where is it? Everyone wants to know that. Everyone wants to know that. Nobody ever told me. I'm going to give out the secret of the ages. Okay. It is not buried. Is there a secret handshake or something? Yeah, well, something like that, yes. You've got to pinch your nose or something like that to get this one. Um, the secret is it's buried everywhere. But it depends upon your ability. It depends upon your, it depends upon your capacity for marketing and sales. But as a general rule, in my opinion, I discovered too late in my career that the money was buried at the bottom end of the market. It was easy to find 50 ladies who wanted to spend $20 or 20 ladies who wanted to spend $50 than to find one lady who wanted to spend $1,000. <clears> yeah. And so therefore, I used to look at some of the photographers I used to see around, used to do things like school photography, etc. In fact, I looked a gift horse in the mouth. 
Master School Portraits, when I first started in business, wanted me to take a franchise, a free franchise in school photography. But I got out of teaching, I'd escaped. Yep, you didn't so, want to be around another school. I didn't want to be around any more kids. Yep. So I didn't do it. So someone else took it up and he made an absolute mozza out of it. Well, that's about finding your niche. That's right. It's about finding your niche. Find something you're good at. My model shots, I was good at. Satellite studios for fundraising photography, I was good at. We worked out a plan. You didn't have to be the best photographer, but you just had to be better than the girl who came off the street from grade 12 and they taught her how to take two photographs on a grey background. Right, eh? You had to um, be good at what you wanted to do. So I invented for myself the McDonald's of photography. It was an absolute money spinner, and every week I could be guaranteed of turning over anywhere from five to six thousand dollars. So, with you know this, you know hindsight, is there something that you would have done differently in your photography career? Or yes, there is. There are a couple of things that I would have done differently in my photography career. For one thing. I would not have paid attention to what I saw as other people who I thought were successful. Now, I started in the middle to upper bracket, I believed, of photography. But in reality, I think I was just always in the middle. I wasn't a, an award-winning photography. I didn't want to go into any awards. I didn't think that I had the creative urge to be at the top of the profession. But I managed to put three kids through university with a photographer's wage and buy cars for them as well. So I was a journeyman photographer. I made enough money out of it to feed my family, to provide my children with an education, and to enjoy my life, even though I work 24-7. You can do the same thing as well. All you have to do is find your niche and then flog it to death. Yep, and, and but put into place some systems have a, have a structure around you. You're not just flying by the sea, your pants. Absolutely. You have to have a structure. You have to have a structure and you must know where every dollar is buried at any no, any moment of the day. Because look, there's, um, like I said, there's every successful business um, uses systems and structures and that type of thing. Absolutely. And, and if without those, it's just anarchy and chaos. And, oh. and, and you're never going to make it. Um, You'll never be more than a pile of beans. Yeah. So if um, where, where do you think photography is going to be in, say, the next 10 to 20 years? Where do you see it? Being? Well, I think that um, the proliferation of mobile phones is just unbelievable. In fact, I'm a member of an astronomical society and the vice president likes to shoot photographs of deep space objects with her mobile phone yep. attached to her eyepiece. I just get so furious when I see those photographs, I think it's not real photography. So I think that in the future, the proliferation of mobile phones is just more or less going to um, make cameras just something obsolete. It'll be something you see in a museum. I think it's already happening with DSLRs, right? Mirror, Absolutely. Mirrorless yeah. cameras are starting to come in. All the major players have a, a mirrorless offering. And I mean, I think there's a lot of advantages. Obviously, if you're carrying, you know, something, mirrorless cameras lighter, there's less moving parts, so there's less to go wrong, those types of things. But I think it's changing the way um, people perceive photography because once upon a time, is that you rocked up with your Hasselblad or your your professional gear? They saw the camera and they said, "He's a professional photographer." Exactly right. In fact, in fact, one of the interesting things that I that I learned from from my friends Glenn and Ross was that if you're going to be a professional photographer, you had to actually play the professional photographer. You had to look the part. I, I remember quite clearly standing in the old botanical gardens with a bride and groom in front of me under this tree doing this beautiful photograph with a Hasselblad 553 ELX sitting on top of my combat tripod, taking a photograph, and I saw this woman of about 32 walking down, the, walking down with a bride and groom with a winky camera in her hand. Yep. And all I wanted to do was weep yep. because I thought photographers had to look the part. They had to look the part. This is why we had big cameras. One of the things I liked about the Mamiya RB67 is that when you fired it, it was like firing a, firing a, a gun. <laughs> you fired off, it went boom, and then you went <laughs> as you wound the film on. Yep. Boom, <laughs> boom. <laughs> It was absolutely fantastic. He used to love using that camera. 
Um, but now with my now with my digital winky, I just pick it up in one hand and go click. Yep. There's nothing to it. Yep. And one of the interesting things about it is one of the reasons people talk about is photography a profession. Photography has never been a profession. It has only ever been a craft. And those people who would proclaim that photography is a profession, don't, in my opinion, don't know what the definition of profession is. The definition of a profession is it must have a body of knowledge exclusive to that profession. It must have a self-regulatory um, component. Yep. And it must have a um, membership to subscribe to a, to a um, table of ethics. Yep. Photography as it's practiced in Australia, and worldwide for that matter, does not satisfy the criterion for a profession that the medical profession does. Yes. Or yep. the legal profession does. Yep. Because there is no um, dedicated body of knowledge. Yep. Everyone can learn to be a photographer. In fact, everyone's a photographer. In fact, I can remember back in the 90s, walking, walking down the streets of Sandgate, um, wanting to talk, visiting every real estate agent, telling them that, if I took their, their photographs of their houses, they would look better, they would look more professional, and they would sell them, they would sell them better. But they said, oh, mate, we just bought a new camera. Yep. However, we now have real estate photography businesses. Why? Because of the internet. And that, <coughs> and that includes drone photography as well. Well, drone photography, yes. So for me, I'm 65 years of age. Righto? There's no way in the world that I'm going to be able to match the technology or the skills, especially the marketing ones using the internet, that the young people can do today. Yep. So it's all a new ball game. Oh, to look, it, it, yeah. it, it totally is. And, and moving forward with the um, photography, I mean, like I said, it, it's going to be heaps of challenges in the future, where it's going to end up, what it's going to look like. I mean, you know, picture this. You know, it, one day will there be wedding robots that take photos? Well, possibly. You know? They may yeah. even have photo booths to do it. That's right. But I anyway, mean. it's all up in the air, Steve. And I'd like to thank you today for giving me the opportunity of just reflecting upon my time in the photographic industry. No, look, Jeff, thank you very much. I think, look, um, a lot of people will listen to this and, and there's a lot of really good takeaway messages in, in today's show. And I think um, you can't beat someone who's been there and done that and had those experiences. Um, and you did it, like I said, in an era that's very different today, but, but the business side of it still holds true. It doesn't matter what Absolutely. era. That still part of it is exactly the same today. So we answer the, uh, answer the question. The final thing that I would say to all of you is this. Are you a photographer who does business or are you a businessman who does photography? Thank you very much. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you for being on this week's show. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Photo Mission Exposure. Be sure to tune in soon. Oh, 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 oh,